This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is the Thursday show where I have a conversation with people I think you will want to learn more about. I am joined this week by two of the chefs behind Le Jardinet, the fine dining restaurant at the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. Elaine Verzaroli, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well, uh, Eric. Thank you for having us. Thank you for doing this. Chef Felipe Botero, welcome to the show to you. Hello, Gary. How are you doing today? Um, thank you so much for having us today in this wonderful space. <laughs> well, thanks so much for doing this. All right. Chef Elaine, let me start with you because you're, you're sort of mind behind Le Jardinet. You have locations in New York and Miami in addition to Houston, but but I, I want to start at the beginning of your career. I mean, tell me a little bit about how you got interested in, in cooking and, and ultimately how you made your way to working for uh, Joel Robichon. So, in fact, I have to tell you, Eric, that my parcours, uh, my, my, uh, my career path is really uh, unusual in a way uh, because I was doing some uh, studies in economics, right, in Paris, and I was already at the university in Paidochina. And uh, I was not especially interested in cooking. I was not cooking at all myself. And uh, something very interesting changed my life. So, in fact, my parents, they were, they were never really interested to go into fine dining. So I've never been to fine dining with my parents, never been to my friends. Uh, you know, it is what it is. So for me, it was a different world. You know, I have I had no knowledge about this. On uh, one day, actually, uh, to celebrate uh, my birthday, I asked my two best friends, you know what? Let's do it to a fancy restaurant. Let's have something new, right? Because I, want, I wanted to experience something new for my, uh, to celebrate my birthday. So uh, I picked up the restaurant. It was Alain Rayet. Then it was a two Michelin star restaurant in Paris. And uh, we had dinner there with uh, my two best friends. And... Uh, I don't know, something happens. I have no clue about what I was eating. I have no way to understand the technique, the combination, the flavor, the taste, uh, the the rhythm of the service, um, everything. For me, it was a full discovery. And it was something that really moved my heart, moved my soul. And at that time, I still, still now, a little bit, I was uh, pretty, uh, let's say, uh, shy. But still, I found the, the energy on to, to ask the chef, Alain Rayet, after the, the dinner was completed, I asked to, to meet him. And uh, so one of the servers drove me to the, you know, uh, show me the way to the kitchen and say, Mr. Rayet, I'm just a customer. 
what I have experienced tonight was really a first for me to experience a fine dining restaurant. I'm currently a student in economics and university. And you know, in France during summertime, you have like, like a good uh, substantial break between two and three months, right? I know it's not the case in the US, but it is in France. So I told him, would you accept me during my summer break uh, in your kitchen? I don't know to do anything. I never had a knife, professional life in my hand, but I will be int very interested. I will help you the way I can without any skills from my side. Don't expect any skills from me, but it's going to be free for you. I will work free for you for one month. And uh, as you can imagine, Eric, he had all the reason to reject, to say no. You know, you don't know how to do anything. You're, you're going to cut yourself. You're going to burn yourself. But in fact, he said yes. Well, so or even, even never mind hurting yourself, you're going to slow us down. This is a serious, you know, two-star mission. Yeah, this but, is a serious but, business. We've got work to do. But, you know... To, to be to be there and think that I was doing something, you know, together with the team. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in fact, um, I, I bought like a couple of uh, cheap jacket, uh, a couple of basic knife, and uh, here I am, uh, summertime in Paris, on the in the kitchen, without any skills. So I was helping the way I could. So I was picking the herbs, I was peeling the fruits. The tart, you know, at this time, it was the, the time where the tartofino pom, you know, the very thin apple pie was like a full bloom, you know, have something like this, you know, you have like the creme brulee period, you have the tartofino pom period, you know, so it was during this uh, the time. So I was peeling the apples, I was doing the herbs, I was cleaning stuff, but it was fine. And for me, it was fine because in fact, of course, um, Nothing that I was doing was interesting, like professionally wise, but I had the chance to see what's happening in a professional cook kitchen. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, based on these months, I told my parents after that I wanted to quit my studies and uh, to, to join a cooking school. And uh, I must say they were very supportive of me. Say, okay, Alain, if like you, you're still young and uh, you're finding your own way, your own path. So, um, yeah, okay. So just uh, go ahead and uh, try to find a cooking school that is suitable for you. And, uh, you know, I was, I was already like uh, 19. And usually when you begin to, to become a chef, you start early. You do apprentissage, right? At the age of uh, 16 or 17. So uh, me, I was beginning more late uh, about the, the, the cooking school, but, um, you know, it was like a special cooking school, you know, where people like me could join. So here I am in Paris, uh, joining Ecole Supérieure de Cuisine Française uh, for three years. The first years, you spend 100% time in your, in the, at the school learning the basics, how to cook the techniques, how to make consomme, how to cut, how to grill, how to poach, how to season, you know, or anything that you know. And then um, the next uh, two years, it was, it was divided between six months as a stagiaire 
in a famous restaurant on six months at school where you you've been learning more about like the um the financial uh or the organization to create your own restaurant because it was uh, a school we which were like preparing you to to have potentially one your own restaurant one day so they, they want you to be prepared for this so i had a chance during my first stage to go to uh on my second stage uh, the, the last year of the school it was at taiwan and it was uh, when Tavion had the three Michelin star. It was the last, basically the last years of uh, Claude Deligne, a very uh, respected chef. He was MOF, Mayor of de France. And uh, I was the first one from the school being sent to Taiwan. And uh, I, I remember the school giving me slightly of pressure, you know, Alain. If you don't succeed to this stagiaire, we will not be able to to send any more stagiaires and this uh, very prestigious Shrimshan star. So <laughs> I knew that I didn't have to fail, but uh, everything went good. Uh, I, I did good during this uh, stage and at school. I finished the, the second of the, the my, my promotion. And it was the beginning of uh, something else, right? But, you know, the, the, the very emotional story, when I was in Japan, of course, way later, working for Joël Robuchon. On one, the Michelin guide arrived in Tokyo and rate uh, the restaurant in Tokyo. And I was awarded like a free Michelin star at this time. I said to myself, you know what? I should dedicate this uh, free Michelin star to Alain Rie because, because of him, he gave me this chance, right? So um, I Google his name, you know, we totally lost contact during all these years. And I Googled his name and I found out that he was uh, having a small restaurant in the States. So I called him and he said, uh, Mr. Hayé, I don't know if you re remember me, but uh, very long, long time ago, you gave me a chance to be a stagiaire in your kitchen. And um, you didn't realize at that time, but you changed totally my life, right? I became a chef. And today I'm calling you because I'm having free Michelin star. And it's because of you. You know, sometimes it's life, this is the beauty of life. You know, just a, a single yes or no can, can change totally your life. Uh, and uh, the fact that you say yes, a simple yes, changed my life totally. So, of course, it was, as you can imagine, a very emotional moment. So he was crying. And I was crying, but it was it was but it, it was really a beautiful moment for me. It was like a joy uh, for me. I still have goosebumps like telling you this story because it's uh, it was just fantastic, and that's really the beauty of life. It was that's great. an incredible that's an incredible story. I I, I don't want to neck I don't want to neglect Felipe. So Felipe, let me let me bring you back. Let me let me bring you in. Tell tell me a little bit about. You, you don't have to try to top that story. I, I don't think any of us are going to top that story. But, no, I don't think But, that. but tell me a little bit about how you became interested in, in cooking. Um, well, I'm originally from Bogota, Colombia. Um, I'm back then. Um, I used to be very involved with um, with all the family reunions uh, when I was uh, little. 
uh, and I remember preparing this time um, for my mom's birthday. I was probably eight or twelve years old. I don't remember well. Um, and there was a chef in the family, and, and we start preparing for her uh, cordon bleu, the famous chicken, ham, and cheese. And I still remember to this day the taste of that dish. Um, so that for me was the first uh, experience of like really good cooking. Um, and then after that, I, you know, I was a starving boy. So all the time I was looking for something else to do in the kitchen, cooking a steak, potato chips, I don't know, something new to make and just keep trying food all the time. Uh, but then I had the opportunity to come to the, the States. Um, so I landed actually in New York, um, where I did my English uh, as a second language first. Um, and then I started reading all these, like, you know, you're in New York and you start reading all these articles and about these amazing chefs. And um, at, time, at that time, I was at Per Se with Thomas Keller and all the things they were accomplishing. Um, so I, I really got inspired. I was like, wow, like, this is really the place to be, the place to cook. Uh, I, I started, like, looking at menus and recipes and, and I didn't know many of the things that were in there, but I was like, wow, this is, I really what i want to do um well and, and just to say for for people who may not know i mean per se is a three michelin star restaurant arguably one of the most famous and successful restaurants in new york you you were working at a, at a really great place yeah i mean uh back then per se was uh i think i don't know if it was number one in the top world but it was like among the best restaurants so i just started looking it up and and, and being inspired by per se um, so I didn't, I put myself into culinary school, um, and, and I just tried to do my best in culinary school and I put myself forward the, 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 the concept of like, I want to work for the best restaurant. Um, so I started working for the best people in the industry that there was, uh, including New Square Cafe, uh, with Danny Meyer, uh, Veritas, uh, that Anthony Bourdain mentioned in his, uh, last chapter of the, of his book, uh, which have Sam Hazen. Um, and then I find this great opportunity to, I, I want to continue keep working for the best. And then I knew about Chef Alan Verseroli. And he wasn't that famous here in the States back then, but the name Joy Rouge from Papa Ron. Um, so I said, well, the, the, these guys might be good. They, they must be know what they're doing. So um, I started working for them. And so far, it's been a great run with the with the company. Oh, good, good. That That sets up my next question very well. All right. Alan, how did you get from working for Joël Rubichon in Tokyo, where you earned three Michelin stars, to America? So, uh, for first, uh, uh, I, I will tell you the, the little story how I get to 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 work with Michel Rubichon because I think it's pretty interesting. At that time, uh, after uh, after I graduated from the from the school, I had to do my military service. Was concept- compulsory at the time. So I did my military service. And after my military service in, in, in France, in Paris, in fact, my first uh, position was at uh, L'Arpège, Alain Passard. And that, at that time, uh, Alain Passard was not having this actual uh, uh, approach about the vegetables and so It was like having like his, um, his signature dish was uh, the duck, the canard, and so on. So I was working for Alain Passard uh, during uh, one and a half years, two years. And after, I moved to a different restaurant where uh, Joël Robuchon was consulting. It was called Le Relais du Parc. And then 
I was there at Leroy Park as a sous chef, and uh, I was doing all the preparation of the. I was doing the new dishes. I was trying new dishes and so on. And because it was like uh, supervised by Joël Robuchon, sometimes Joël Robuchon came, and sometimes the chef was uh, coming to taste the new dishes and so on. And they, they realized that I was actually uh, making more dishes than the actual chef, right? So they, they, maybe they thought, oh, maybe this guy, uh, you know, he has something. And I guess that they, they spread the... Uh, the, the news uh, that they spread this to uh, this idea to Joël Robuchon, and uh, one day Michel Robuchon came to me and asked me if I wanted to work with him directly, really in in his restaurant. And you have to understand that it's been a quite a quite a long time ago. And at this time, you know, working in a fine dining restaurant like this in Paris, Joël Robuchon. Uh, very, uh, very tough reputation. I knew that it was a lot of pressure in the kitchen. Uh, very, very physically demanding, mentally demanding. Personally, I would never ask to work directly on the Joel Robichon because I knew it was like a very, a big challenge. When he came to me, he said, Alain, would you like to uh, join my team? And I said to him, Joel Robichon, uh, I feel honored. But I don't know if I'm having the level to be part of your kitchen, you know, because I knew it was another level, right? Right. Just for, for people who may not know, he's known for very precise plating, right? All the little dots of sauces and very manicured, very ornate, very precise plates. Yeah. Very precise, very technical. Uh, and it was like super, super, I think it was the highlight of this uh uh, time, you know, during this period. So after he, he kind of evolved to something a little bit different, but during this time, it was really signature, the dots, super precision in the food. So he came to me and I said, you know, uh, Mr. Bichon, I don't know if I'm, I'm capable to be part of your team. And he said something to me that I will never forget. He told me, Alain, if it was easy, I would never ask you. Okay, so <laughs> meaning that he was giving me trust, right? Knowing that it will be definitely a challenge, but at the same time, he, he had hoped that I would be able to uh, to keep up with the challenge and to be able to 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 be part of this team, right? So of course, I couldn't I couldn't refuse such an offer. And this is how our John is team in Paris uh, for more than two years. And uh, after, when Alain Ducasse took over uh, Joël Robichon restaurant, uh, of course, Alain Ducasse came with his own team. So all of us, the Joël Robichon team, we have to, to find another position somewhere. So I've been contacted by a restaurant in Hong Kong. It's called Petrus, like the wine. And, uh, you know, I accept the, the, the position, my first position as a chef, right? And uh, it was uh, during a very interesting time uh, for Hong Kong. It was during uh, 96 to 99, so during the handover, right? Um, when, when, you know, when Hong Kong became more like attached to, 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 to China. 
even with a special uh, kind of um, position, right? So on the, after 99, Mr. Bichon contacted me again and said, Alain, um, I have a position for you in Tokyo for Chateau Joël Robuchon, right? So in fact, uh, I say yes. And uh, here I am uh, going from uh, Hong Kong, where I stayed three years, to, uh, to Tokyo. And then uh, Tokyo, it was fantastic because the place was really a dream. Uh, debut like a chateau, like a French castle in the middle of uh, Tokyo. And it was like fine dining at the finest. I remember the, 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 the team in my kitchen, it was like more than 20 cooks, 20 cooks to execute 45 people, 45 guests. So imagine the level of execution. Of course, it doesn't make sense financially, but it was like prestige. It was, it was grandeur. It was everything. Well, and, and just thinking, I mean, you went from, from Paris, which is one of the great food cities in the world, to Hong Kong, that's one of the great food cities in the world, to Tokyo. I mean, you know, what a what an opportunity to, to see the very best of, of food culture all, all over the globe. Absolutely. And uh, of course, Tokyo is very, Japan overall is very well known for uh, seafood, uh, beef, you know. Of course, but it's much more than this. I think the quality of ingredients in Japan is like, for me, is unmatched, I must say. Uh, dedication of the farmers, the fishmongers, um, the people who raise the, 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 the cattle and everything, I think you, you cannot match the dedication. It's part of the culture. It's part of their DNA. On what I've learned, um, of course, in Japan, it's very cultural as well, is the respect of the nature, the respect of the natural rhythm of the nature. As you know, they celebrate nature, they celebrate the sakura, the cherry blossom, they celebrate during autumn, the, the autumn leaves while just falling from the trees. And it's beautiful because it lasts like a couple of hours, a couple of days. So they have this sense of celebrating nature, right? Of this sense of pose yourself just to have a picnic you know under the cherry trees you know because in fact the, the cherry blossom it lasts only like a couple of days at most so they have this sense of posing for nature posing the crazy rhythm of life just to observe and to be in tune with nature and for me it was something that i was discovering this link to the rhythm of nature on this still now, I think that's the, re the reason why I create Le Jardinier, to be more in sync with the nature. Because of these 18 years in Japan, I wanted to take part of this approach and create something which is more linked to the, to the rhythm of nature, the, 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 the nature bounty, which is like the, the vegetable, the fish and everything. Everything is linked. Good, good. You you set me up for my next question. So so tell me about conceiving of Le Jardinet and and kind of how is it? What was your thinking behind it? What is what is sort of the the culinary philosophy? So at that point, a little bit on my previous answer on this, when I arrived in New York, uh, I was after after Japan because I was sent in New York because Joel Robichon sent me in New York and uh, to open his restaurant. Uh, in Lexington on 53rd, where I'm talking to you right now. 
And unfortunately, because he passed away, we were not able to open his own restaurant. And I came with this concept, but to a jardinier. Why? Because in fact, when I arrived here in the States, I realized that very often, even in fine dining restaurants, vegetables were considered as a side dish, a side order, right? The importance was always around the proteins. And uh, you were given like a, a small list about like side dish and other, but it was always the same, whatever the, 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 the season, right? It was not specially linked to the season. It was always like something potato, something mushroom, something spinach, something like this, right? And grilled think, asparagus, you know, grilled asparagus, sauteed spinach, uh, you know. Yeah, now we, get, we have the full list now. And in fact, uh, I said, oh, this is something wrong. I think we should be connecting more with nature. So I came with the idea of presenting one concept where, in fact, uh, what is the jardinier, the gardener? is the one who's taking care about the nature. is the one who's nurtured the nature. is the one who is in tune, is uh, looking at the nature, okay, it's going to be raining, it's going to be too hot, it's going to be too cold, it's going to be freezing. So it's this connection. I wanted to bring this connection to the restaurant. I wanted to bring to the plate not only the proteins, but also the nature. And it was something that I wanted to focus. It was something seasonal. And every time I created one dish, it was not only the proteins, when, when any, but also a seasonal approach to the vegetable world, right? So uh, it was never intended to be a vegetarian restaurant or a vegan restaurant, but I wanted to bring this connection with nature and to create a dish where you have in harmony with your proteins, the right vegetable to match. Either these vegetables bring like bitterness, natural sweetness, um, anything, right? But I wanted to create something like a full experience within one plate, or not like something on the side which doesn't make sense with the with the main course, right? With the dish itself. So it was the the, the prime idea behind le jardinier to really reconnect. And uh, especially in big cities like New York, where you know you tend to disconnect with nature because when you're going to 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 the market, you can find always either in January, either in August, asparagus, tomato, the same vegetables, right? So you're losing this sense of what's in season right now. And I wanted to bring only what is in season to the plate. And then we have a certain pleasure to wait. I have the pleasure to wait. I'm happy not to have what asparagus during eight, nine months, because I know that when they will be there during spring, I will enjoy what asparagus in season, for example. Right. So so let me ask you then, because you, you have these, these restaurants, you, like I said, you have one in New York and one in Miami and one in Houston. What did you, what did you learn about Houston? What, how did you adapt the menu to account for the seasons in Texas and the ways in which they're different from, from your other locations? In a way that, in fact, Houston uh, is very warm, right? So I wanted to have something different. And um, 
When I opened this place together with Felipe and Andrew, actual chef of Le Jardinier in New York, we we tried to be in contact with uh, local suppliers. We using some uh, uh, grids uh, around the, that we can find uh, around there. We looking from the the shrimp from the from the Texas you know area. Uh, this is our way to to be more in contact with the the local suppliers, right? And to create something something new. We're doing, you know, at the beginning we're doing this kind of our shrimp and grits version, more elevated uh, with a uh, lots of bisque and, and so on. But it was really in the approach on in the with a will to embrace a little bit the way we can to the local culture, like focusing on local ingredients. And I'm sure Felipe he will be more uh, able to, to, um, to develop on this, um, on this question. Yes. In fact, Felipe, I was, I was just going to ask you, what, what have you learned about Houston since the restaurant opened? How, how has your cooking changed or, or the menu changed uh, as a result of your time here? Um, the good thing about working here is Houston and with the concept of Legendre is that the people has been very perceptible about like um, the way we present vegetables. Uh, most of the time, people is like surprised, like even just by sauteed spinach, they're like, "Wow, what do you do with this spinach that it tastes so good?" We were like, "No, just just you know, you know, you cook it, you treat it well, you season it like with asparagus, with things like that." People is. You know, just sounds sounds very simple. It's finished, but like that's the perfect example that um, that really we have at the restaurant sometimes. So so can you imagine the other array of vegetables that we have from asparagus, um, everything that we have right now in the season, like the 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 Texas peaches. We have right now on the menu something uh, with lacoche, which is the the corn uh, fungi that is comes right here from from Mexico. Um, you know, we have, uh, we, we got on our next menu, we're going to use crab that is, uh, from the Gulf of Mexico as well. Um, you know, so luckily people have been very receptive to like our concept. Um, I think there was something that I was like kind of missing right here in Texas because, you know, obviously everybody knows Texas is such a, such a huge hub for like beef and people always think about barbecue and beef. Uh, you know, we actually got beef here, love wagyu beef from uh from Pittsburgh, Texas. So you know, we also got the beef as well. Um, but all these is just like like Chefana was saying, like this connection with the nature, um, the changing of the seasoning, um, different. You know, in New York and in our restaurant in Miami, you know, the the seasons are very different. Like here in Houston is uh still had very late. Uh, so my menu like comes to like stagger a little more into the fall but then you know then it change when it changes it, it totally changes so like you know we have to be in this pattern with the nature um and people people find it like surprisingly amazing because they're like you know there is all there is always every season that they come there is something new something new to try on the menu so so thank you houston for all their support so far well and, and the one other thing that that has always impressed me about lejar today is you know, a lot of fine dining restaurants or restaurants that operate at your level are only open for dinner, but you're open for lunch, you're open for dinner, you're open for brunch on the weekends. Tell me a little bit about kind of managing service when you're, when you, when you have so many opportunities to serve people. 
Well, first of all, I have to say that you know we're 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 locating an amazing location as is the Museum of Fine Arts, um, in their newest building, Nancyan King the Richard Building. Um, so that that for us was a full potential to execute uh, the the restaurant focus on the full scale. Um, and we didn't want to miss, like I always say, we didn't want to miss the the beautiful sun and the exceptional sculpture garden and the tall. Uh, floor to ceiling windows that we have here in the restaurant um, because it really creates a different vibe and different fine dining and you know we have we have art on the walls um, so just it creates the perfect setting for us um, to 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 deserve art on the plate as well um, and, and and people people love to people love to go out for a, a nice lunch in a nice place without having to feel like committing to a full dinner that is going to go into the whole night um so managing that you know uh we interchange some of the ingredients at the uh on night and the uh, lunch and dinner um but at the same time we we keep it very casual very very light very if some people want to have a business lunch they can have a business lunch and some other people want to have a like a really uh, full experience of the journey they can have it so you know it's been really adapting to 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 houston and, the, and its people. Alana, I, I want to ask you just a little bit more about what what have you learned about, or what what have what has surprised you the most about having this location in Houston? What what did you what did you not expect when you when they told you, look, you're gonna you're gonna go to Texas and you're gonna open a restaurant and a museum? You know what surprised me the most is like the the warm welcome for the community. And you know, because I must say, I, I should confess now that prior to the opening, I was having some doubt because, you know, here I am with the Jardinier, this uh, restaurant, like not, not vegetarian, but still vegetable rich, vegetable focused, right? Opening in Houston, you know, in Texas, and, you know, as uh, Felipe said, barbecue, this big, big uh, culture, but like the, the meat barbecue and so on. And I was bringing something very different, right, to the table. And then prior to the opening, you know, I stayed there more than two months, you know, for the opening, just to, to put things together and to, 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 to help the team to open. And very often, during the afternoon, I had a coffee outside the restaurant on the terrace of the museum, just, just to relax, to have a fresh air. And, uh, of course, I was having my chef jacket on me. I was a... Uh, dress as a chef and uh, people came to me oh are you are you the chef are you opening this restaurant i said yes oh it's so great we're so happy for the for us they were so happy for the community they were so happy for the city and we have had this sense of the community in houston that i don't feel that much in new york i must say but in houston it was like they make me feel that I will bring something different. And they were so happy and so uh, welcoming for this. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great opening. And for me, it was, yeah, I learned the, the warmth of people. I, I, I really, I love, you know, you know, in the morning I go to have a walk around the Rice uh, University, uh, you know, and uh, people, you know, Say hello every time you 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 cross somebody. Uh, for for me, it's like really, 
the warmth of uh, the, 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 the people on the living Houston is pretty incredible. And I'm so happy that such a diverse uh, city and community and uh, in terms of culinary, of course, but uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. All right. I, I have one last question for you. I, I want you to get a little bit philosophical with me, right? Your, your restaurant in Miami has a Michelin star. Your restaurant in New York has a Michelin star. Houston doesn't because Michelin doesn't come here. They don't, they don't rate restaurants in Texas. Do you think that Michelin should come to Texas? And if they did, what would you change about what, if anything, would you change about Le Jardinet, the way it's executed in Houston versus the way it presents in the other cities? You know, I wish it would come. I would tell you why. Because in fact, every time I'm going to Houston, I try to find the time to dine out, right? And you have incredible restaurants in, in Houston. Uh, I think for every taste on execution, even from the, the the classic ones, PCN to the new one, March, Blue Dawn, all of this, of course, we were a part of this, right? Of this kind of um, dynamic of a more fine dining restaurant with Le Jardinier in Houston. But I think I had a great culinary experience in Houston. I think it's definitely a worse. Uh, for, for the Michelin to come and to, to rate uh, because this city, is, I think, is, have a lot to offer and a lot of different cuisine. During my last, last stay in Houston, a couple of weeks ago, I had a pretty amazing Indian dinner at Musafia. And it, the, the location, the execution, uh, the, I think it was so well executed. So I think... Um, you have definitely a space for on the reason why a Michelin could come to rate, but of course, as a Michelin guide, you, you always remember the Michelin stars, right? But let's not forget that Michelin can give also awards like the Bib Gourmand and so on, some other kind of recognition for more like a casual and um, unpretentious place, right? who can deliver still a good quality of food, a good techniques, but without having the, the level of being to the Michelin level, uh, star level, let's say. So definitely, I would love uh, Michelin to come because I think Texas and uh, Houston in, uh, in particular having a lot to offer. And if I change something, no. I think uh, we do what we do, we do it with pride. With, with 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 joy and uh, I think what's what's what ring is really relevant it is what we are uh, there is no one le jardinier which is a copy or paste of others in terms of look and feel be, between the, the, the menus on on the everything so recently chef Felipe spent one week in Switzerland because uh, we opened one le jardinier in Geneva Switzerland and uh, it was a very different experience for him. He, he, he was discovering the, the, the fish from the lake, Geneva Lake, all the, the cheese and tonto. I think we have something to say. I think we have to, something to say, not only because we are close to the nature, because I think that's the way we should eat, because it's, uh, it's healthy, because it makes sense to discover one ingredient, one is at this peak of the flavor, because this is where these ingredients, these 
vegetables, this fruit will give you all these benefits, all these vitamins, all these nutrients. It's where the ingredients will reach the peak, right? So this is what we are offering to our guests, an uh, opportunity to discover, to rediscover nature, the, the bounty of nature. So I will not change anything. And then Chef Felipe, last last question for you. I, I know you just rolled out a happy hour menu. So so just tell me a little bit about what's on the on the menu and what, what people can look forward to trying. Uh, yeah, I mean, we expect, uh, we expect people to come visit us at the Museum of Fine Arts and we, you can expect some uh, salmon tart, uh, actually beef tartare, uh, some smoked salmon dip, um, some yuca tots that is basically two like potato tots, but it's a little spin on the on the starch. So it's going to be yuca tots with cream fresh and caviar. Uh, we also have a nice lamb burger. We also have fries, uh, not your traditional fries, but we also, like French fries, uh, I call them, they're called pomme du fims. Um, so very delicious, uh, crispy potatoes, but very soft on the inside. And we have a full menu to offer for, for everybody to come visit us at the Museum of Fine Arts. We're launching right now our full menu um, with a lot of new items. And we expect people to come and, and join us for, for lunch or dinner or brunch. Gentlemen, th- thank you, uh, Chef Elaine. I, I, the last question is just uh, how can how can people find you? What is the website and what is the the Instagram for Le Jardinier? So uh, every uh, Le Jardinier having a different, uh, distinct uh, Instagram account. So there is uh, Le Jardinier Miami, Le Jardinier Houston, Le Jardinier New York. I'm having my own Instagram, but I'm not very. I should be more. You know, more active on it, I know, but uh, <laughs> some time, but you know, I, I post and repost. Um, so it's under my name, Alain Verzeroli. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, for, for me, I, I let the, I let the, the restaurant speaks, I like the chef speaks, you know, find their own way, be able to express themselves. I think it's very important. Me, I'm just here to, to, uh, to, your guidance to be a mentor. I'm here to support. I give them my lifetime experience. This is my joy. Uh, but um, is it very important that uh, talented people like Felipe, like Andrew, like Olivier, on James in Miami, found their own uh, way on path as well. Path of nature. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you, Eric. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.